AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, the Read Out Podcast. How are we doing? This is Thursday night. We are recording right after, well, part of it. I recorded with uh, Stucky earlier today, pick some games. And uh, we will react live to everything that just happened in the Eagle-Viking game. Cousins actually didn't play bad. Primetime. I don't know if primetime quite is the same on streaming, but you know, maybe he's, maybe he's a streamer. Maybe Cousins was born to play primetime games over streams, not on broadcast television. Uh, we will dive into the Eagles uh, and break down. You know, they were getting booed. <laughs> they went to the Super Bowl last year. Their first home game, and booze were coming out on their second drive in the first quarter. I, I Listen, I lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years. Love that place. Love the character of the fans. I love any place that takes football or sports really seriously, and that's it's as good of a – as passionate of a sports town as you'll see. And I don't blame them. I mean, it was, it was ugly offense, but they got it together. And we'll dive into everything from that game as well as some thoughts on the broadcast and then a couple quick thoughts on uh, on some quarterbacks this weekend as well as the Middlecoff mailbag after we talk to Stucky. We'll talk to Stucky and then hit a Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram, firing those DMs. Getting a lot of DMs. I appreciate everyone firing those DMs. Love interacting with you guys. I probably need to sit down and just start responding to some DMs. I remember Gary V, you know, in one of his 8 million motivational talks, was like, I respond to every DM and every comment. It's like, God, how, does it, you, how do you have the time? I don't even do that much, and I don't feel like I have the time, but I owe some of you guys responses. If I haven't got to, one day I'll just sit here for 10 hours and just respond to DMs that I haven't been able to get to on the show. But everyone, just add John Middlecoff, fire in. And if you're listening on Collins' feed, subscribe to the podcast, 3 and Out, on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Appreciate everyone that has. We're obviously up on YouTube as well. 
And uh, other than that, yeah, that's probably it. Let's roll. But first, you know what I got to tell you. Do you live in Philadelphia? Do you want to watch your birds try to go back on another Super Bowl run? Well, here's what you do. You go to Game Time. Well, actually, you go to your app store, and then you look for the Game Time app. And when you download the Game Time app, you use the promo code John for your first pair of tickets. Football games, baseball games, concerts. You want to be a Swifty like uh, Travis Kelsey? Go to Game Time. Type in the promo code John. That's J-O-H-N. Get $20 off. In these inflationary times, a discount? Are you kidding me? $20 off your first pair of tickets. Search anything. Comedy, concerts. They have interactive maps. They tell you the price points where you want to sit. Very, very easy to use. First pair of tickets. Again, promo code John. J-O-H-N. $20 off. Game time. Official ticketing app of this podcast. Okay, Thursday Night Football is back on Amazon Prime. And we'll dive into the broadcast in a little bit. But let's focus on the actual football game. Start with the Eagles because they're clearly in the group, which is the Niners and the Cowboys as the top tier of the NFC. I don't see any way that one of those three teams does not win the conference. And the Eagles have basically the exact same team back, right? Offense, same dudes. Defense, lost a guy, but also added the best player in the draft at the same position. But they have two new coordinators. And let's start with their offensive coordinator. If I went to the grocery store right now and shop for any type meal and got two of each ingredient and I cooked the meal and Gordon Ramsay cooked the meal, one meal would taste dramatically better, right? I, we'd all agree with that. Well, it's no different with offensive play calling. You can have the same exact players, Montana, Rice, Moss, Marvin Harrison. I don't care who it is. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. And it's going to look different depending on the guy calling the plays. I think a lot of times when we talk about the draft and scouting, it's very, very hard to, it's easy to put, you know, tangible results on the 40, a height, a weight, uh, any sort of movement drill around cones, right? Short, subtle. It's very, very hard to gauge because you can't quantify intangibles, instincts, football character. I I think it's very similar with coaches. I I talked to a buddy today in the league. He's like, you know, the hard part is a guy can be an elite position coach at on offense or defense, be what many considered when they're around him. This might be the best position coach in the NFL, but those talents and those characteristics that make you a good position coach don't necessarily translate to being a good coordinator and being a good play caller. Now, I'm a big believer in you improve and gain confidence through experience. The more you do something, the better you get. But when you take over a job like the Eagle job, there's a ton of pressure, right? They clearly were one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. Their play caller was probably one of the most sought-after coordinators in recent memory. He was elite at his job. He had a great feel for it. And I think when you watch the Vikings, like Kevin O'Connell, I see where he's cut from that McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur. He has a good feel for play calling. There is a rhythm to everything you do. Now you're like, John, what are you talking about? Look at their offensive numbers tonight. Tonight got easy because after a couple drives, when their, when their passing game was stalling out and looking a little similar to last week, no rhythm, no just feel for it, they start running the ball. 
And because you're playing the Vikings, whose defensive personnel, despite having a good defensive coordinator, and what do we always say? I don't care how good your defensive coordinator is. If you do not have players on defense, it's hard to have a good defense. It's not offense. Offense, you can scheme average guys and have an explosive offense. Defense is not the case. You need some horses. It's why four or five years ago, when Minnesota had all those guys in their prime, they were awesome on defense. Those guys, many of them long gone or long in the tooth. It clearly isn't the same. And the Eagles, who have an elite offensive line, ran the ball down their throat. But ultimately, to win the NFC and to get the number one seed, because clearly that's going to be a really, really big deal this year, just like it was last year. Them having the number one seed, having that game in Philadelphia was huge. You got to pass, right? And you have to timely pass. And you saw tonight, I don't think A.J. Brown was just bitching and moaning on the sideline for no reason. Like you saw last year and you even saw times in Tennessee when he played for like he knows what good offensive coordination looks like. He knows what a well-run passing game looks like. And I think right now, despite Jalen's numbers don't look terrible, but it's not passing the eye test. And I think every Eagles fan, and I know Al and those guys were talking about, they're just being negative to be negative. No, I think they know what a good passing offense looks like. And something's off right now. They're going to be able to run it against 90% of their opponents. And when I say run it, like all game long, like all you have to call is run plays and you will probably win the game. I bet if we pulled up their schedule, the majority of opponents, they can run it right down their throat. I'll tell you a couple teams they won't be able to do. The Cowboys play twice. They play the 49ers. Like, you're you're not just going to be able to run for 700 yards against them. So there's going to have to be some rhythm and timing with the pass offense. And right now it feels like Brian Johnson and Jalen, something with his confidence, maybe it's because he didn't get any reps. I, I know Sirianni talked about that in the preseason. It just looks a little different than last year. And one thing is very, very evident is when he runs anywhere between the tackles and he can't get to the sideline, he's just not the same guy. And not because he doesn't have the physical skills. It's because clearly they've coached him up and he's thought about it and they've talked about it and he's not wrong. They're paying me a ton of money. Our success is predicated on, you know, me staying healthy. I got to be careful. And it's true. Well, if that's the case, don't call quarterback powers because he's not running like he used to do. So that's, that's a throwaway play. And early on in that game, That's what Brian Johnson was calling. So I would say the one major question I have about this team is not the players. Roster loaded. Star players, corner, D-line, line. line, I mean, hell, their running backs are good, let alone star tight ends, star wide receivers, highly paid quarterback. It's the coaching. And because their head coach is a CEO head coach, despite being like 41 years old, you're very predicated on these two new coordinators. And defensively, like one thing really jumps out is they lost Javon Hargrave because they just they couldn't pay him. And he goes to the 49ers, and he's a stud. And they easily replaced him. Jalen Carter made a play today. Now, the Vikings' offensive line is exactly the 93 Cowboys unit, but he made them look like it was me at Davis High School in 2003. <laughs> his, his stance wasn't even that athletic. Like, Fletcher Cox looks like he's about to run, uh, you know, like be a sprinter. Like, he's in this athletic stance, ready to be shot out like a rocket. Jalen Carter just kind of leaned over. I'm like, how's he going to explode out of this? Within one step, he was already in the backfield. I was like, holy cannoli. Jordan Davis had a play today where he hit Kirk Cousins, and these guys are so coached up now, they know that if you if you hit the guy or land on the guy, you get a penalty. So he's so athletic, he's able to kind of pull up, but he still hit him. Cousins flew like seven yards in the air. I mean, those two guys are freakazoids. Clearly the Eagles, the best decision they ever made is the year after the Rager pick where they're like, we need to stop out thinking the room. Let's just take dudes 
from Bama and Georgia. And those guys make plays everywhere. So the talent on the Eagles clearly is never going to be their issue. This team, Howie Roseman, has built a bully. They are loaded all over the place. The only question I have, and we're only truly going to find this out when it matters in the big games against the Niners and the Cowboys and then the playoffs, is the coaching and, and the schematics, and mainly on offense. Defensively, even if like they have a bad play call here and there, they have enough good players to make do. It's just going to be the offensive coordinator. And right now, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't bet the farm on them, but they might just be talented enough to get away with. But it's something to definitely keep an eye on. And then Minnesota. You know, clearly their run and their era is kind of over. Uh, they band-aided a little bit last year with, uh, you know, all the one-score games and winning the craziness and winning 13 games. And clearly they were one and done in the playoffs. It's pretty clear this offseason that, you know, the Cousins era is about to end. I mean, they were entertaining trading him this offseason. They couldn't really find a spot. They, they have not talked extension. It feels like they'll just let him walk and maybe draft a guy and kind of start the clock over, kind of redo their books. I, I do think that they, you know, Cousins has taken a lot of shit, and some of it is self-inflicted. But we all watch a lot of football, especially if you listen to this podcast. He, he's probably not as bad as we've all said over the years. One disservice Minnesota has really done to him, and I went – I went to the playoff game in 19 against the 49ers. That was the year. It was the second round. They had beat the Saints in the first round. Their offensive line has been consistently shitty. And when you have a terrible offensive line with an immobile pocket quarterback, like you're going to be limited. And then your defense is just not any good. You're going to have major problems. Because I think their coach, we talk about Brian Johnson, like just watch the way. And it's easier sometimes to have a rhythm in the McVay-Shanahan scheme right? Running the outside zones, the inside zones, the play actions, the boots. There's a rhythm to that play calling that they all kind of have. I think he has it. Like I, I was really, really impressed with him. Obviously you have Justin Jefferson who feels like, I, I don't know, like a, in his prime, like Randy Moss, Chris Carter, like you all know the ball's going to him. Everyone in the stadium knows it. Everyone on the Eagles knows it. And you look up, he's got 10, 11 catches for 140 yards. Like he's just an unstoppable force. He's fun to watch, and uh, I enjoy watching Minnesota's offense. You know, I, I don't know what, when the dust settles, what happens with Cousins next year. Does some team sign him to some two-year deal? But it does feel like this is a swan song in Minnesota. And, and honestly, they paid him a lot, so it's not like he got screwed, but they let him down a little bit from the personnel standpoint. With just, And I know they lost some offensive linemen tonight from injuries, but you can't have a mediocre to below average offensive line with a quarterback that can't move. Unless you have, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady sometimes because of the coaching. And they're the, some of the greatest quarterbacks and greatest athletes of all time at their sport. That's not Cousins. But Cousins is good enough where you should be better than you are. And honestly, their offense clearly tonight was not their problem. But sometimes I think, are we just too harsh on them? I, I've definitely come around on Jared Goff. Like some of these guys, like not everyone's Mahomes, right? Not, not everyone's Trevor Lawrence. Some guys, like, being the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th best quarterback, like, you got a pretty good player. Like, you can win with that guy. It's on the organization. And last but not least on Thursday Night Football is the broadcast is awful. It, it really is. Uh, let me say this. Let me, let, let me preface this whole conversation by, I think Al Michaels is a legend. There are several guys that I've grown up with, and they were older even when I was growing up, that I, I view as legends in terms of calling my games, right? Obviously, the Madden and Summerall. I'd put Al Michaels. I'd put Musburger. I'd put Marv Albert. But a couple years ago, I remember watching Marv Albert on TNT. Now, 
they had him with Chris Webber. It, it was just a terrible broadcast. But Marv was slipping. And the NBA, you're sitting courtside. There's only 10 guys on the court. The majority of the games Marv's calling are with the most famous players in the NBA. You know, the, the Currys, the Durants, the LeBrons. I, I could call it in terms of know their names. And, and Marv didn't know the names. And Marv didn't really know what was going on. He was calling twos when it was threes and threes when it was twos. It was clear he was shot, which was understandable. He was almost 80 years old. And there comes a point where sometimes at 38 years old, I'm like, is my mind, is my mind is sharp? Like, where, where, where are my thoughts? Where are my memories? And I'm, I'm not even 40. I can't imagine being that close. Now, listen, we've all been around people. Some people are just dumb and some people are sharp as a tack till they're, till they die at 92. So you can't judge a book by its cover in terms of its age, right? So just because you're older doesn't mean you're not sharp, but out slipping. He called the night veteran stadium. Obviously the Eagles have played at Lincoln financial for almost two decades. Now, I think I had a buddy send me a picture of the, uh, of veteran stadium being blown up in 2004. Uh, I think they opened this stadium in Oh two could be wrong. Oh one, Oh two, Oh three range called it veteran stadium, but that's not, it's listen, we all make mistakes. I talk for, I say stupid things all the time. Last year, he took a lot of shit for just being kind of boring. I think he's just lost his fastball. And like I said, I'm not some hater of Al Michaels. I I think he's one of, if not the greatest guy to ever be behind a mic calling sporting events. But it's over. And and him and Herb Street have about as much chemistry as like me and this desk. I mean, there's just nothing there. (laughs) Like It ain't working. It's just, and I was harsh last year. And even though I understood... Lynch turned them down. McVay turned them down. They went after some high, you know, famous NFL guys. They couldn't land anyone. They were somewhat desperate. This ain't working, though. And I understand from a name recognition who ultimately, like, is it really that big a deal? In the short term, probably not. But I, I don't think you can keep rolling out at this point. And, and I would imagine eventually TNT, I bet if we Googled it and or, or just know the inside information, like, they told Marv, no moss. It's over. Someone has to tell Al, like, this, this, this thing's over. 79 years old, had an incredible run. Go play Bel Air Country Club every day. Have a good life. But you, a microphone in the National Football League, like, <laughs> we can't do this anymore. And I'm not just saying this to try to talk shit. I, I had countless people from the NFL texting me, like, this is awful. I thought it was pretty bad. And, and I tend to like him. Right. I, I've always thought the Herb Street thing never made any sense, but this is just, it's just a bad broadcast. It, it, it really is. Now, they're not alone. There are a lot of bad broadcasts, you know, the sixth, seventh crew on some of these networks, but this is Al Michaels. And I thought the same thing with Marv Albert at the end. Like, it's hard. No one wants to watch Willie Mays on the Mets. You know, no one wants to do that. No one wants to just, it's it just, it, this isn't how it should end, even though for most human beings, they're really famous and really great at their job. It's, it usually ends ugly, and that's how it feels like it's ending here. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code JOHN, J-O-H-N, to sign up. New customers can bet $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN, the crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Okay, a couple quick things that I wrote down uh, about some quarterbacks. I, I did a little digging, a.k.a. I just went to his Wikipedia page. And I saw that since they've traded for Russell Wilson, and it's not all his fault, though I would put the, you know, the pie chart, pretty large percentage is you know in his category, given that they're paying him a ton of money. They traded the farm for him. And I don't know, he was a Hall of Fame player. He's not 40 years old, right? He, he's in his early to mid-30s. I think he's 33, 34 years old. They're 4-12 and 12 with him as a starter, if, if you count last week. Well, like... Something's got to give. Like, are they ever going to start winning games? Like, even last week, played a little bit better. His yards per attempt were so low. He just, something's off. And it, it's hard, like, a guy that's washed, you know, to me is someone that can't move. You see it a lot at other positions. When I was working with the Eagles on that dream team, we signed Ronnie Brown. Remember, he was him and Cadillac Williams, famous backfield, Auburn. He went to Miami, was a really, really good NFL running back. I remember like the second day of practice and I, I don't pretend at the time to be like Bill Polian, but I had a pretty good uh, idea of what worked in the NFL. What doesn't, he was so slow. I'm like, his legs are shot. And he was, it, it was over. I remember, you know, Namdi Asimo, like some guys, you just get them and either physically they're broken down. They just don't have it anymore. Well, you just watch Russell last week. Like he moved. Okay. But he's just not really a winning player. And when I say a winning player, like guys like him used to force you and drag you to wins. I mean, we saw for a couple year stretch, once that defense kind of fell off, he just would find a way to get his team to a 10 or 11 wins. When they had no business, they had no pass rush, their offensive line was shitty, they had a couple receivers, and that was it. And that guy's long gone. And that guy now, if you have a flawed team, which clearly Denver does, though they have a good coach, he's just a losing player. And uh, he's really got to figure it out. And this notion that, like, and I understand why people are saying it, Sean Payton, his personality, he won't deal with this long. I just don't really see their options. What are they going to do, bench him for Jared Stidham? Okay, they they can do that. It's not like you can trade him or cut him. You're still stuck with a guy. So Russell just needs to find a way to drag this team to some wins and, and do it fast. I was thinking about this because, listen, I, I've been I've been fired twice. I, in my late 20s and, and early 30s. And it is, even if you're ready to move on or you realize like, God, I, I don't even want to be there or it wasn't working out and you knew it, it's still, there. there's a shot to your pride. There's a shot to your ego. Any ambitious person doesn't like, no, no human being likes to fail. I'd say that's like a human, you know, reaction. Anytime someone tells you you're not good enough, it's hard. No matter how much you can look in the mirror and accept the reality of whatever that situation is. But I do think second chances are really powerful. And I think a big reason second chances are so powerful is because you have that experience to build on, right? Like my radio career. Now, again, I was working for the second rate radio that wasn't generating any money that just the station had some issues, right? We we're going up against a, a brand that has the San Francisco giants and the 49ers. And it was very difficult. 
But there were things that I did in terms of this business. And Colin said it the other night. A huge part of this business is revenue. And a huge part of the revenue comes from the salespeople. And I've spent a lot of time getting to know salespeople, whether it's at iHeart or people that deal with the podcast. They are the lifeblood. You know, no, like Dion says, recruiting, all these college coaches recruiting. The lifeblood in my business is sales and selling revenue. And you can only go as far. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't gone through previous experiences because I'm not some guy that grew up in the radio business in my 20s. I was working in football. And Zach Wilson last year was an utter disaster. And a lot of it was self-inflicted, right? His He played poorly. A lot of guys have in the history of the sport. Welcome to the club, right? But when he wouldn't take blame, when he was saying things that were clearly pissing off his teammates, like, come on, man, you got to have some common sense. So you get a guy now who I don't know how much better he is, but some guys improve. Now, I'm not acting like he's going to show up and be Aaron Rodgers, but if he has any sort of EQ and just feel for the room and just has done some self-reflection over the last six, eight months when they traded for Rodgers and he kind of got to sit back and take second-team reps, he can really learn from that experience and that can help him moving forward. Now, does that translate? Ultimately, in football, you got to be able to complete deep outs. You got to have touch on the wheel route when you're getting pressured. Like there, there is a level of all that intangible stuff. You got to get it done on the field, which was very alarming last year. Just some of his basic passes, air mailing balls in the flat. But in terms of the person, he's getting a second chance. Now, no one, trust me, whether you're a Jets fan or not, no one wanted this to happen. We wanted to watch Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is currently in a hospital bed with a ripped Achilles. So this guy who saw, I mean, it couldn't have gone any worse last year. If he can't take some of those lessons that he learned through just, you know, adversity, which, like I said, self-inflicted a decent amount of it, then that's on him because he's been given a second chance now on a team that's pretty freaking good, even better than last year. Like their defense should be better. And offensively, they've added a running back. Garrett Wilson's a year better. So I'm very interested to watch how this plays out. Another guy in my backyard, the Giants are playing the Cardinals this week, who, you know, I was pretty confident the Cardinals would give up, a, you know, a, a decent fight on the road against Washington. Didn't quite win it, but that was my bold take, which we'll get into in a second. Daniel Jones. I defended, I guess, to a, to a level with the contract and just they were kind of stuck, though they probably could have gone about it a different way. Regardless, they paid him what they paid him. The dude's making $40 million a year, and he threw 15 touchdowns last year. And before last year started, he was basically universally considered a bust and a bad player. Last week was bad, right? Wasn't all his fault. The whole thing, they got boat raced, but he was not good either. He, he was actually atrocious. Now he's playing the Cardinals. And next Thursday night is the Niner game. So they're going to be a huge underdog, probably loose. He better find a way to play well this week. Because if he doesn't, even if they win and then they get their ass kicked by the Niners, I lived in the Northeast for a couple of years. There's like a, a negativity that's almost like an avalanche that it starts coming, it starts coming. And then once it grows, kind of like that snowball rolling down the hill effect, it gets so big, there's no stopping it. And I could see it getting away from the Giants a little bit on Daniel Jones. It would be, if I'm Brian Dayball, I find a way we can get Saquon going, whatever. Like I need to get him like three or four touchdowns this week against Arizona. This is a team that we all think is going to be dog shit. Their coaching staff's not that great. Uh, definitely their players aren't that great. 
Daniel Jones needs a big game. And last but not least, eventually this guy's got to draw a line in the sand. You know, he's either got to make some plays in the passing game or we just got to acknowledge he just might not be that good. Like, I I could say Josh Allen, like, after that game, like, let's say Josh Allen have a bad month before we all write the guy off. Resume speaks for itself. But Justin Fields is just your classic. People anointed him. People thought he was going to be sweet. And it's just not, even last year when it wasn't going well, I have no problem, and I'll always do this. If I like a guy, I'll be excited for him, and I'll root for him. But after a couple years, like, you eventually, that's the thing with the football. You eventually got to make some plays, right? You, you, I say this all the time in the stock market. You, you can invest ten grand into a stock you like. If six months later, that thing's $3,000, you got some problems. It might t- be time to reevaluate some stuff, right? And positive momentum is important in any walk of life. And right now, Justin Fields has no positive momentum. The only positive momentum he's ever had is the offseason when it when there's no substance behind it. It's just coaches kind of talking. And he plays the Packers, and he looked terrible. He threw for under six yards in attempt uh, in a game where they were losing the majority of the game. So I, I just think they're playing Todd Bowles, who had that team flying around last week on the road. Is this guy just going to be... I mean, essentially a bust, or is he ever just going to make some plays? Because right now the Bears have some serious issues. And I, I'm just, for a game that if you told me a couple weeks ago, Bears, Bucks, I'd be like, I got no inter- interest in watching this. I got some interest, and uh, I'm going to be paying attention for sure. Let's get to our Guinness Bold Take of the Week. That's a good beer. Okay, here's the deal. And I've talked myself into this. Last week, and I'm not going to do this every week just to do it, but early on, I'm going to because I think the season is weird. I took the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are terrible. I just took them on principle of week one's weird. Anything can happen. These coaches, whatever. I'm going to take the Jets this week against the Cowboys. And I, I, I thought a lot about this during just during the day on Thursday. If Aaron Rodgers was healthy and this was just a normal game, right? The Jets had won. The Cowboys had won. You would take the, the Cowboys would win this game at home. I would say eight and a half out of 10 times. They would win this game the majority of the times. But think about this. They destroy the Giants, right? So you just naturally feel yourself a little bit. And then the guy that they would have, even after an ass kicking, that that would have kind of refocused them would have been, hey, we're playing Aaron Rodgers. He tears his Achilles. So he's long gone. And then you're getting Zach Wilson, who just, if you just say Zach Wilson to the average football fan, they'd be like, God, he sucks. What a bust. We're humans. Football is full of a bunch of humans. And these are young humans, right? These are guys, especially the Cowboys, majority of their guys, 23 to like 27 years old. You're playing an elite defense. Dak, you know, we haven't, he hasn't proven he's just rolling again. I could just see the focus being a little off, especially with their defense because Aaron's gone. It happens all the time with like, I've seen the Niners do this, the Cowboys, the Eagles. When you have like a 13, 14 win team, in December, you're playing some team that's going to be drafting in like top six or seven. All of a sudden, you look up and that team has a lead in the fourth quarter because those guys didn't take the week seriously. It's it's hard to coach. Now, it's still early in the season, so I'm not acting like Dallas is going to airmail or just you know throw this thing to the side and not even try. But I could see the focus this week just being a little off given that Aaron's gone and maybe a little upset. So that's my bold pick of the week. Jets going to Dallas, upset them. Brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast a win. Guinness Drought Stout, imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Pee Wee Championship game. 
a trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich. Here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Live here on AMP on a beautiful Thursday morning, September 14th, which officially marks the start of Thursday Night Football. On Prime last week, we obviously had a Thursday night game, the opening game, but it's not that's not I don't consider a true Thursday night game because you're not on short rest. This one is we're recording before the game. We have a very good slate of NFL games. I mean, we always do college. Not as great, but here with my man Stucky, who started red hot uh, three and one in the NFL. We, We touched on Colorado last week as well as the Alabama-Texas line, which was, when the dust settled, that, that was stealing money. You, you can hear my man Stucky, Big Bets on Campus. Go subscribe to that. Follow him on Action Network. They are all over everything gambling. They were way ahead of the curve. <laughs> they, they were on the front lines before this thing got super mainstream. So, Stucky, what's up, brother? What's going on? Yeah, NFL, we should have swept if the Colts could get one yard. The first time I've ever seen the Bush push, not work, and then uh, Anthony Richardson gets hurt, and Gardner Minshew just throws away the cover. NFL teams get in there 99% of the time, just hand it off at down two possessions at the one-yard line, so that was a super annoying cover, but it was just good to be back and sweat. I also had the Titans, and Vrabel decides to kick a field goal down four, so that was beneficial. Um, just that three to four o'clock hour, uh, if you're on the East Coast or 12 to 1 in the West, it's 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 just good to be back sweating those those little plays all at once. Uh, so it's good to have the NFL back. Yeah, so you know, let's, a little look back last week. Your guy Vrabel, who to me is just a stud as a dog, came through. I mean, they they easily could have won that game yep. if their quarterback just wasn't atrocious. And then the the older version of Vrabel, Tomlin. Not quite uh, as a dog at home. They, they, they got molly whopped. But, uh, yeah, what, what were some of your big takeaways from week one from a gambling perspective looking forward beside, obviously, you know, the, the Rodgers situation? I'm sure we'll, we'll actually hitting on the Jets game coming up. Yeah, I mean, Vrabel 
the, and the Titans, yeah, they also had a, a clear, what looked like to me, a clear defensive touchdown. Well, well, it and, was. It was. Yeah. And then they blew the whistle and then they said it was, they didn't overturn it and they gave basically a 10 point swing, which was massive. But yeah, my, my biggest takeaways from week one, the, there was a lot of ugly quarterback play. I think the yards per attempt across the league was the lowest it's been in 20 years. So there was just, I mean, you look at some of the average depths of target on some of these offenses and then some of just the ugly performances. Unders had a really big day as a result. There was a lot of injuries, like a lot of hamstring injuries in leading up to and then during the game. And I think that all traces back to just, we now have such a limited preseason, which I'm a fan of, but you just don't use a lot of these quarterbacks you don't even see play at all uh, during preseason. So there's just not a lot of reps. And then you come in pretty rusty and the defenses are for the most part ahead of the offenses. And then because of those lack of live game reps, you know, you're at you're at more at risk of, you know, hamstring injuries, groin injuries, which we saw a number of, but that was something that stuck out to me. The offenses were pretty ugly across the board with a few exceptions. Uh, your Niners, who were just rolling like uh, that that last season never ended before the injuries. That seems like they scored 30 every time out with Purdy now. But, uh, yeah, the offenses should pick up here. It was a, a really good weekend for unders and ugly quarterback play. You see, you, Did you see Trent Williams' quote? He said, by about the third Steelers drive, he was so tired because they would – go three and out so quickly, he started rooting for them to get first downs. Yeah, he wanted a break. He was, yeah, rooting for the, the Steelers, who at, at one point, maybe in two minutes, at the two-minute warning, the first half had one yard. So uh, I feel you. I yeah, feel it was you bad. That trend. I, I uh, you know, what you said about the preseason, I, I'm in agreement. I think most people around the league would say, listen, the preseason games, we didn't need four. And if you play in the Hall of Fame game five, it was outrageous. I think the problem with some of these injuries is the way they're allowed to practice. You know, no, yep. no one's, I, I think the coaches, even in 2023, with how much you're paying these guys, aren't, wouldn't be asking for like Junction Boys, 1950 Bear Bryant, but they just would like the opportunity to get, you know, they basically, a lot of these teams go like three days on, one day off, and, and very hesitant with pads because of the rules that the owners, and this gets back to the the business of football, the players were like, we need more days off. And the owners were like, we need more money. They're like, deal. Yep. <laughs> and the coaches obviously have no juice or say in any of it, and they kind of get screwed. And that's where the hamstring injuries, you just, and listen, I mean, Tomlin was the guy hammering this, like, we need to spar before we fight. And then he gets his ass kicked. But I do think his logic on that w was correct. They just, yep. you know, they, they just ran into the wrong team. Yeah. No, it's it's a really good point. The practice, the the practice times, the allowable practice times also contribute into that. So yeah, there's just a lot of rust. You should see offenses start to pick up. Um, but in, in general, a trend across the NFL though is you know, more two high safeties take away the explosive plays. So there's a lot, it's the offenses look a lot more dink and dunk efficient than they were a couple of years ago, as the NFL is always an evolving game. So it's always interesting to watch that on a year by your basis, how the, you know, the scheme adjustments on both sides of the ball in general. One game we're not going to talk about, but just from, uh, from betting on these two teams, I find them both pretty fascinating. Obviously the chargers, it's, it's just really hard to feel good going into a game, regardless of their talent, because their coach is such a wild card. And then the dolphins are kind of the opposite. I mean, when they look awesome, it's like, Jesus, it looks like a video game. I mean, it looks like Tua's Alabama team, but defensively. And we talked about this last week, just in relation to like the Bears and the Packer game, which played out exactly like it's just a talent 
deficiency. But the Dolphins on defense, like Vic Fangio's a stud. I mean, I'm sure they're paying him four or five million dollars to be the defensive coordinator, but his, his players aren't that good. So are they just going to have to, like, is that a team like an over and the Chargers? Is that just a stay away until we see that they've changed at all? Because right now they feel like the same version we've seen the last two years. It's kind of hold on for your ass. Nine, 10 wins. Quarterback looks sweet, but weird shit's going to happen to them. Yeah, I did like the, the the offensive changes that we saw with the Chargers. Uh, they, I think that they upgraded. I was a big fan. I know some Cowboys fans didn't like uh, Kelmore, but uh, I've always been a fan, and I like some of the things I saw there. But the defense was pathetic, and yeah, the, those teams are kind of in the same boat with the Dolphins and Fangio, one of the best in the biz. But he all number one one he doesn't have the personnel. That Ramsey injury really hurt, and Savion Howard I think is a little past his prime. And, yeah. you know, it's but and he also runs a pretty complex defense It's just, you know, it's on the surface. What he wants to do, you know, is preventing the explosive plays and d- disguising, um, you know, what the quarterback sees pre-snap. It's it's simple, but it is a pretty complex defense. So there's there's an adjustment. It's not going to be, hey, first year Fangio. And then when you don't have the players, that makes it even more difficult. So, yeah, both those teams, as of right now, project as over teams that are going to have to win in shootouts, especially if they once they step up in class. The Dolphins, I love that, you know, that game is really fascinating to me because last year the Chargers laid out a blueprint for how to slow down that Miami offense. That Miami offense couldn't be stopped until they played the Chargers. And then after that, they kind of got slowed down because everyone started pressing them and making sure that you know, the receivers were thrown off their timing. And then they put more bodies in the middle of the field. And the adjustment, which was brilliant from the Dolphins, and I figure this is what you would see it, right? They're playing the same team that kind of offered up the kryptonite. Yeah. And you saw... Tyreek Hill and Waddle, the motions that they, they weren't motioning from one side of the field to the other. They were motioning just you know, the pre-snap motion running before the snap, but just on the same side of the field into the backfield and then out of the backfield, you know, up, up to the tight end and then back, just confusing the hell out of the defense to know how are we going to double him? How I can't press him if he's running like this. And uh, so some of the pre-snap motion from the Dolphins was amazing. Uh, you know, the, Patriots have been a mess, but Belichick still puts together pretty good defensive game plans. I'm curious to see what he does uh, this upcoming weekend against all of that different motion that we haven't seen before. Okay, before we dive into the NFL slate, I know there's a college game that that you're kind of on, and uh, I think he easily right now has the best nickname in in all of football, college or pro, and that's Sunbelt Billy. Uh, You know, Florida has become like the the Texas before this year's Texas, where it's just like this, where coaches go there to struggle. Uh, the hype grows, and then they they underachieve. You know, Florida started the season out just getting, just looking terrible against Utah in a game we were all watching. And I told you before we hopped on, I had heard that, you know, part of the transfer portal is a little like free agency. You go all in for Peyton Manning, and you end up, he goes to Denver, you end up without a quarterback. And I think they wanted Sam Hartman, and they ended up with Graham Mertz. This Tennessee team, I mean, last year really took the world by storm, right? That that game against Alabama and the visuals of them carrying out the the upright was really cool. I mean, that was that was a special moment for a program. But as you were telling me before we hopped on, they have not looked the same. And Florida, this this is a home game. Uh, you're going in on Sunbelt, Billy. I am reluctantly. Uh, I think when when he was in the Sunbelt after. Uh, a game when he was being announced on the uh, when he was being interviewed on the sidelines, he said, "Scare money don't make money," and we have that's a clip you always play on our podcast. So I'm not going to be scared here because this is mainly a fade uh, of Tennessee and their offense. You know, 
the the flashy parts of their offense were great last year, and everyone remembers the deep bombs to to Highland who had a billion touchdowns against Alabama. And and obviously they lost a lot on that offense. They lost their starting tackle to the NFL. They lost two receivers to the NFL, and then Hendon Hooker. And the thing that Hooker gave them, you know, he obviously could make all those deep throws, but he was at extremely accurate underneath. And that's kind of the basis of this offense is, you know, you, you're going to get those deep shots, but you have to keep the defense honest and you got to take what's there underneath, underneath, and then you're going to hit the deep shots. And Milton just isn't accurate enough to get this offense, which is a, a timing rhythm based offense into any sort of rhythm. I mean, they looked poor against Austin P last weekend and there was a lot of drops and you know their their offensive line they're still trying to figure out their first team all preseason SEC center Cooper Mays he's been out we'll see if he can go this weekend so there's been a lot of guys shuffling he also lost a tackle to the NFL in the first round so the offense is just off right now and you know they haven't really played anybody they played Virginia they put up 38 against Virginia Virginia's defense is, is horrible we just saw uh you know a, a JMU throw for 350 and put up that many points against them. So, and then they played Austin P. The Tennessee defense still has a lot of holes. And this, what this Florida team wants to do, it's Graham Mertz, a quarterback. Like you said, like the difference between Hartman and Mertz is massive. It's like, hey, a guy that's in potential in running for the Heisman, the guy who, you know, it's had one good game in years uh, at, at Wisconsin. He had like one good half and he couldn't win in the Big Ten. But they want to control. They have two really good running backs. They're going to get their really good centers going to play in the NFL eventually. He's back this week. Their offensive line has a lot of talent. They just they want to control the ball. They want to run the ball. And they, I think they could do that against Tennessee. And I don't think Milton can sustain enough drives. He's probably going to make a couple mistakes. Florida's going to you know take away the run. They're going to make Milton beat him. And I don't I don't think he can right now. He's just not consistent enough passer. So. I think we'll make a couple mistakes, and that'll just lead into Florida controlling this clock, putting together some long drives. And uh, yeah, I like the points here with Florida. I actually think that they they pull off an upset. I don't I don't think the market really knows yet that this how bad this Tennessee offense is. Maybe they put it together here. Maybe Mays comes back and Milton has a great game. But from what I've seen, not just this year but throughout his career, he just doesn't have the consistency in the accuracy department. Yeah, I think if you look around the country, th- there's probably not a coach. If you remove the Mel Tucker situation, he's not even coaching right now. He's spent it. That could use a win like this <laughs> at home uh, against obviously a, a rival slash the rival is resurrected or at least feels like that on the, from a national perspective. This would this would do wonders for Sunbelt Billy and maybe we would just call him SEC Billy from then on out. Yeah, not only that, not only does he need the win, he's got to avoid the loss. Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since two thousand three, and Jesus. they've they've never. Yeah, they lost 10 straight. They've never been a favorite, uh, this high of a favorite in the, the history of the series. You can go all the way back to the 70s, 80s, whenever. This is the, wow. the biggest favorite they've been. So they haven't won there in 20 years. So you want to avoid the loss. So Sparta fans aren't going to like losing to Tennessee at home. No, that's so e- even in some of their down years over this last decade, then that's yep. really better win this thing. Uh, Okay, let's dive into the NFL. I, I've gotten a lot of DMs. You know, I've I lived in the Bay Area in Northern California. I know a lot of Raider fans, and it's like, are we actually decent? Could we? And then after you watch Monday Night, they're like, could we go into Bills Mafia? And it's like, hey, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But I would have told you two weeks ago, no chance. Who knows? I mean, Josh Allen, he did not look like a top two or three quarterback. He looked terrible. I mean, that's since he became a good player. Like if we removed his rookie year. 
that has to be the worst game he's ever played. I test statistically. I mean, it was just, it was a joke, especially given what the other team was dealing with. It's like, hey guys, Aaron Rodgers in a boot under the stadium. Just run the ball, dink and dunk. What are you doing? So now he's a veteran player. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady had shitty games. You can bounce back. It's at home. I got to be honest, though, this is a stay away from me, but I- I'm just fascinated. Like, to me, this is going to be a big reflection because the Raiders are going to come in trying. Do the Bills, like, do they still got it or is something off? I, I think we're going to find out this week. Yeah, I laid, I laid it. I laid eight and a half with the Bills. Um, and this is, look, Josh Allen was horrendous last week. But you go back to when Brady was in New England, there were years where he just, for whatever reason, he struggled with Miami's defense and... You know, some people would say it was the weather or whatever. The Jets defense is one of the best in the NFL. And over the past two seasons, if you look at, you know, so this one game and then last year, so 17 games since one got canceled for the Bills in the regular season, Allen is one and two against the Jets. Two touchdowns, five interceptions, averages 196 yards per game in the three games against the Jets. He was awful last so year. So you think it's more of a ma- you think it's more of a matchup thing now yep. that they're good less than it's just he sucks. Yeah. Not, I, and I know he doesn't suck. I just mean that he's declining regression whatever. Yeah, he has these games. He he is he does have a much more inconsistency than you'd normally see with some of these league quarterbacks. Yeah, but I agree. and but but against the Jets it's it's just off the charts. In the other 14 games he's 12 and 2. 64% completion percentage, 34 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, averaging 285 yards per game. Last year, he threw zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 140 yards against the Jets. The Bills ended up winning eight of their next nine games, and he was fine from a numbers perspective. Against the elite defenses, yeah, he still needs to get more consistent, but this Raiders secondary is not one of them. you got to worry about Crosby uh, off the edge against Spencer Brown, but the, the Raiders secondary is bad. And, you know, last week they just weren't tested. Russell Wilson averaged four yards depth of target. And the Broncos didn't have any other weapons playing. Dulcich even got hurt in the first half. And Judy didn't play. And they have a bunch of other injuries. They just never tried to throw downfield. And Russ looked good. He rushed efficiency-wise. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. Completed everything because the Raiders' secondary is bad, bad. And so I think the Bills come out here and – they rebound at home. And when they win, they win big. That's what the Bills have done under Josh Allen. Because usually if you get good Josh Allen, then it's really good Josh Allen. And they also have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And Allen has won 53 games in the NFL. 37 of those have come by more than seven points, which isn't easy to do in the NFL. So when the Bills win, they do win big. And on the other side of the ball, look, Jimmy G can operate this offense. He can win you games. But he's there's two things with with him. He's not going to beat the elite quarterbacks in the AFC in a shootout. Um, so when you know if they are, they go up against the Chiefs and their game's getting to the high thirty, like, Jimmy G's not going to be able to keep up. He's also going to be under much more pressure this week against this Bills defense. And if there's one thing we know with Jimmy G, great when he's in a clean pocket. And the Broncos only pressure on four dropbacks last week. When he's under pressure, he. Uh, his performance falls off the map because he's not able to elude any pressure, get outside the pocket and do anything. He's also dealing with an ankle injury. You got to keep in mind, Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers, their top two receivers, didn't practice today. One with, in concussion protocol. Adams dealing with a foot injury. DeAndre Carter, their fourth, he also didn't practice with a calf. So they're banged up too going across country. Um, I think the Bills come out and make a statement. There are rumblings of other things, like you said, it's something off. If they don't come out here, number one, they lose this game. 
But if they don't come out here and take care of business and it just looks off, you might be right. And it's going to be definitely worth digging into. But I'm going to trust them to bounce back here and lay it under 10. Yeah. And, you know, Jacobs last, obviously Denver's defense based on last year was solid. So him having under 50 yards isn't crazy. But, you know, the Jets ran for 172. Now, granted, 83 of them came on one run. So that's, I would imagine Josh McDaniel is going to try to slow down the game, run the ball, yeah. uh, especially the receivers. Who, I think it's fair to assume Jacoby's not going to play, but the Devontae thing would be a problem, not just this week, but that's a big picture if a foot can linger. Yeah. Uh, let's, speaking of the Jets, uh, this, what would this number have been pre, what, what was the number before the Monday night game for the Cowboy game? Was it five-ish, you think? Uh, no, it was, it was three. Um, so the, the market has, yeah, the Cowboys were minus three and then you had the Cowboys winning in dominant fashion. And then you had Rogers going down. Uh, I, I played the Jets here. I hate Zach Wilson. I've slandered him for years since ever since he got into the league. I, I think he's a backup at best. Um, but I just think this is, this is too many points, too big of an over adjustment. Like we, this, an adjustment for an elite quarterback to his backup. And, you know, would be you know, at the top of the line starter, seven points. That's as high as you normally get in the NFL. Maybe Rodgers to like Tim Boyle eight years ago. In his MVP like peak. Eight, eight, nine yeah. points. Yeah, because Tim Boyle like threw one touchdown and 16 interceptions at UConn. Um, so it depends on the, the level of the backup. And Zach Wilson, at least as starts, you know, he's covered four of seven times when he's getting more than seven. He has some experience. But Rodgers wasn't the same elite level quarterback that he was, you know, a couple of years ago. So there was questions, there was questions about him coming into this year. How effective is he going to be? We knew it was going to be an upgrade, but behind that offensive line, and unfortunately we couldn't figure out, but we never got to find out. But I think that the adjustment from Rodgers to Wilson isn't as big as some might think, right? I think it's only maybe four and a half, five points, which is still substantial, but it's not monumental like it used to be and like it is right now for a Mahomes and you still have this Jets defense, which arguably is the best in the NFL. They have the secondary. They have the dudes up front on the defensive line. They're deep and dominant. They can give this Dallas offensive line, which isn't at 100% yet, some trouble. And uh, this is one of the things you see this in basketball. Um, because, the, look, the Cowboys look great last week, but what did we really learn? Like, we knew their defense was dominant. Their offense didn't have to do anything. Brandon Cooks by the, is now hurt, so they'll have to find. They a, got they got a special teams touchdown on, on a block field goal. You yeah, know? special teams touchdown. They got a pick six, and the game just got out of hand from there. Their offense didn't have to do anything. It's going to be a different story this week, and you see this in basketball a lot. The Jets are getting like, oh, the Jets are getting written off, right? Like, oh, they're done now, Rogers, and, and it's probably true. But this is the first game without Rogers, and. This is when you see, like in basketball, if you lose your star player, the next game, everyone else steps up. I actually even like it even more when you go on the road. It's like us against the world. And then that kind of wears off after two games. And we'll see if, you know, the biggest thing I'm watching with the Jets, if they do stick with Zach Wilson, he loses the game. Does he take accountability? Otherwise, he could lose that locker room quick if he comes out and answers questions like he did last year. But I think everyone else rises up here. With that defense, this is just too many points in a game with a total of 39. I think both coaches are going to play this super conservatively, especially early, because the Jets are going to say, look, we got to rely on our defense. We can't have Zach Wilson make mistakes. The Cowboys are going to say, all right, look, we're playing Zach Wilson. We can let our defense win this. And all the talk in the offseason about Dak's interception problems, which I, I felt were a little overblown, 
But I feel like, and he talked about that a lot. So I feel like early on, he's going to be super conservative. He like guaranteed he's not going to throw more than 10. So I don't think he's going to take a lot of shots. He might be a little gun shy, take stuff underneath and it'll be really conservative on offense for the Cowboys. So I think this sets up as like a rock fight that the the Cowboys win, you know, 17, 13. So I'll take the points uh, for what it's worth. Teams following a, a win of 35 or more points, which the Cowboys had last week, teams are just 34, 53 and four against the spread. That's 39% over the past 20 years. That kind of speaks to the overreaction you see at times in the market. And especially early on, if you recall, and in this spot, it's 0-4 in week two after teams won by 35-plus in week one. The Saints, in they blew out the Packers, I think, like 41 nothing. They beat Aaron Rodgers. They had a play, I think, down in Florida in the humidity yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the hurricane. Next week, you know, the market overreacts. They go to Carolina, and they get destroyed. So never want to overreact. I don't think we learned that much about the Cowboys. I'm going to count on this Jets D and the locker room kind of responding to the circumstances. Well, I think one thing, if I told you Aaron Rodgers had played 17 games, this defense would have been in the mix to be the number one scoring defense, right? And usually number yeah. one scoring defense is what? In the peak, you know, somewhere like 13, 14, but probably in modern day would be closer to like 17, 18, 19. So yeah. you're still going to get that level. It, they might tap out if the season's a disaster by late November or whatever, but right now you're getting that version. So if you just say, okay, the Cowboys score 20, I mean, can they score 12, 13 points, right? I mean, I think it's it's very, very possible. And who knows? Maybe they can hold them under 20. Maybe that number's more 17. All they got to get to is 10, yep. right? So it's, like you said, it's not, it's basically a math equation. Yep. <laughs> so, and that's, uh, so I, I'm with you there. It's just that that number is enormous. Uh, okay. You know, the, the Denver Bronco season got off to a weird start because you're right, he, I looked up and it was like, God, he he actually feels a little better than he did last year, just moving around. He definitely looks slimmer just in terms of more spry. He was being efficient. He was throwing touchdowns. But the game, is it, they couldn't, you know, it was always, it was close. And then Jimmy D throws a pick. And you're like, ah, oh, Denver's going to win this thing. And somehow the Raiders pull the game out of their ass and win. And you're like, God, they're 0-1. Uh, now they play the Commanders, who I, I picked Arizona last week, who I thought had them. Uh, but they are the Cardinals. One thing with Washington, I mean, that D-line is pretty freaking good. I mean, they, they can get after your ass. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just have a hard time with Denver. I I, I really do. But I, I know a lot of people, you're, you're not alone here, think this is a great spot for them. Um, this game feels weird to me, almost like a stay away. Yeah, I, I played the Broncos. I played them small at three and a half because I'm waiting to see, maybe because of injuries, if it does get out of three, obviously the most important number when betting the NFL. So, and then if it goes to three, I would love it even more. But I think this is a good bounce back spot. I like some of the things that I saw from Peyton and his influence on this offense. They used play action a ton. They used an extra offensive lineman a ton. They used an extra blocker, whether it's a tight end or wide receiver in protection, a lot. And Russ wasn't under pressure a whole lot. Everything was like just, it, it, it reminded me of, what Dable and them, which is crazy to say about Russ, because Russ was but, but Russ was washed last the last couple of years. What Dable and them did with Daniel Jones, they really just simplified everything and gave him easy throws and easy reads, and the offense operated efficiency efficiently. What it was missing was any form. It was complete. There was a void of explosiveness. I think there was two plays that went for over eighteen yards, and one was like a screen. I think. Um, so they they didn't throw it all downfield. 
Peyton acknowledged that and said, look, yeah, we need to we need to bring some explosiveness into the offense. And that is ultimately what held them back last week. Other than Damari Mathis, one of their corners got roasted the entire game uh, opposite Sertain. But so I think you'll see a few more deep shots off of that play action, which makes sense. It's just like, here, give them easy throws, easy reads, and then boom, let's take a deep shot. Once while. The problem is they have a lot of injuries at their wide receiver room, but I think they'll get Judy back this week. Reading the tea leaves, Peyton said like they warmed him up. They thought he was going to play. Hamstrings are tricky. But, you know, now 0-1, you're playing a division opponent. I think he's going to give it a go. And he, they said he was close last week. That would be massive because they just need that spark, whether it be, you know, someone getting open deep or just a guy who can take a slant. Threaten. And, yeah, and then go for 30 and just bring you yak, um, which, like, you see all the time and with the myriad of weapons that the 49ers have. That last week, the Broncos just didn't have that. It's just like, here, complete the pass, and then they would get tackled. So I think there's a good chance Judy plays, which would be huge. But the main thing here is that this is a uh, – so I, I think the, the Peyton, the big coaching mismatch here, and for what it's worth, Peyton, out of 145 coaches over the past 20 years, he's the second most profitable behind Belichick after a loss. He's 52-29 uh, and 29 against the spread, six, over 64% after loss, covering by about four points per game. But this is also a fade of Washington, who didn't look great at all last week. Went back and watched that game. Because Sam Howell took six sacks. And I'm like, how do you take six sacks against this Arizona defense? They have no, I mean, Watt had all their sacks last year. So I went back and looked, and he's just, he holds the ball way too long. And I, I mean, it just was indecisive. And uh, he would invite pressure eventually and try to see, make things happen that weren't there. That's a bad sign. Now, it doesn't mean you can't fix it, but a bad sign right now. Now you're going into a hostile environment against a better defense than Arizona's. And uh, you know, you, you got to hope that Denver makes adjustment with Mathis has to play better. Sertain's going to take one of their receivers away. Uh, he locked down Adams last week when he was on him, and he's arguably the best in the business. But, um, yeah, I think Hal on the road here, hostile environment, in a place where teams, especially out of conference, struggle early on in that attitude, uh, I think that Denver bounces back, gets this win. I'll trust Peyton to make the necessary adjustments on the offense to bring in some explosiveness. I think, hope that Judy's going to play, and I just don't trust Hal and how he looked last week that, that he did he did all the things you don't want to see from a young quarterback um you know I keep referencing the 49ers team. you watch purdy it's like okay he knows when to get out of the pocket and he knows when to be decisive how just ne never never made those the same decisions you see the same thing with fields not making those throws and then inaccurate when he does um so i'm uh, this is a big chunk of this is a fate of how and where i think this offense is and i think it's going to struggle until he kind of figures it out, if he ever does. Sometimes quarterbacks don't at this level. Yeah, Fields is another guy. Yeah, if, if if they get their butt kicked by the Bucks, people are going to start, you know, getting off him hard. I, it feels like there's a lot of yeah. two games that I, I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Titans getting points at home against the Chargers and, and the Packers against the Falcons uh, plus one. So, I mean, technically, they're, you know, typically a home team. You get three points. So, uh, now, maybe I'm undervaluing Atlanta. That, that's just a game that... I'll probably I, I'll take the Titans before I took the Packers, but I whoever wins that game in the Packer Atlanta game, maybe we'll have to start talking about depending on what some of these like the Giants, obviously Seattle's playing the Lions. Could could that Atlanta like if Atlanta wins, are we talking about them as you know a playoff level team? That's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah, I I actually took the Falcons and the Packers preseason to win their divisions. Um, now 
which would really hurt that is the Lions stealing that win against the Chiefs, like getting a win over the Chiefs on the road. That's that's yeah. huge for the Lions. Gets a and, ten like uh, that because you yep. just that that with that swing. Yeah. So um that's that was pretty big. But yeah, the, the upside with Jordan Love, he looked great last week. I granted it was against a bad, bad Bears defense, but uh they still have a really talented defense. I think Atlanta improved their defense. You saw Jesse Bates, on, Onyamata. Yeah. They played really well. Some of their offseason acquisitions. They still don't really have an edge rush, which I think might ultimately hold them back. And Ritter looked all I mean, Ritter's average depth of target was like three point four yards. Like, Ritter Ritter stinks. Yeah. I mean, they he was just it was just screens and like um the only one who had a lower average depth of target, by the way, which is crazy in a blowout where uh, was uh, Justin Fields was three three yards. Um and he had wide, some wide open guys he missed. The only thing I would worry about with the Packers. I still don't know if I their run defense looked better last week, but the Bears offensive line was a mess. Their run D has historically been bad uh, under Barry. And it's, you know, some of that's like they, they'll funnel that in and want it by design, but you can run on them. And that's all Atlanta can and wants to do. Like they want to, they're like kind of like a service Academy in the NFL and they just want to run at you a million different ways. So they, can they just control the clock and move up and down the field against green Bay? That would be my concern there. In addition to, the injuries for Green Bay. So we don't know about Watson and Aaron Jones, another hamstring guy. That Aaron Jones is so important because you just see that the He's difference done. in explosiveness between him and Dylan, like Dylan will get you, you know, he'll move forward for you, but he just doesn't have that burst. And Jones can do so many different things, not only in the run game, but on screens and going out uh, for routes. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. It, as far as the Titans are concerned, it's, yeah, t- taking three with Frable, uh, whenever you can take points with Vrabel, um, d- you have to do it. Uh, so I like that one much more than the Atlanta one. Uh, I, I'm, I'll be watching Tannehill closely, though, because he he basically, I know there was a, a blown call, but he missed a couple wide-open touchdowns, bad picks. He wasn't even under pressure that much. He looked bad. You can have an off game, but, you know, once a quarterback starts to get up there in age, it's like, all right, let me, let me see what's going on here. So I'll be watching that closely. But it's kind of like the team that, generally covers the dog and always wins these close games versus a team that always finds a way to lose these close games in the chargers. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind that Tennessee one at all. Okay. Stucky, let's, uh, let's enjoy the weekend. Ha- have some cocktails. Do you, you see you rocking the Tito's, you know, have a good couple Tito's and sodas Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Yes, and sir. let's, uh, let's win these bets, baby. Let's yeah. roll. Let's, uh, let's have a weekend and, uh, I'll see all you guys next week. <laughs> Okay, let's do a couple mailbag questions. We will uh, try to bang out a bunch. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open, fire in them. Start with Bart. Recently, you talked about some owners being cheap. Well, the Players Association came out with a study grading the 32 facilities regarding their work environments. Freakonomics did a fantastic episode on it. I'll have to check that out. I feel like there is a fine line between making people feel respected and just plain comfortable. Have you seen the report, and what are your thoughts? Well, I haven't heard the episode on Freakadomics. I I remember subscribing to that podcast years ago, and it stopped updating. But I'll have to recheck that out. I would say that, listen, facilities, you're not recruiting in the NFL, so it's never going to quite be college. Like, if you just went to the majority of Power 5 programs, Georgia, Bama, LSU, Oregon, USC, they're facilities would blow you away. Like the 49ers facility is not great. It's just not like the, the, the weight room would be laughed at in college football, but it's more than serviceable and they treat you well when you're in there. So I, I think it was a reflection of 
listen, if you're going cheap on the facility, like if you play in Cincinnati and you don't have a dome to practice in, that's on the owner. Now, I think they built one recently, but th that's being cheap, right? To me, the thing that stood out there, and it was about Bidwell, was that he was like charging containers to go home if you're a player. I mean, I know as a as a young scout, like I survived on taking food home. And I players used to take home food all the time. Hell, in Philadelphia, food was free, breakfast, lunch, and dinner during the season for scouts, coaches, and players. We didn't have to pay, let alone the to-go box. So it's stuff like that would really, really irk me. Uh, but, you know, the facility, they're just not going to be as nice as college. And so I'd have to read it. To, there's probably a nitpick on some of, like you said, there, there is a fine line. Like, why wouldn't you want your guys to be comfortable? Like, you don't need to blow it out $700 million facility, but you should have nice stuff. I mean, this is the NFL, right? Especially, like, I, I know, like, Mark Davis in, in Vegas has, like, top of the line. Well, it's clearly new. Some of these facilities are a little older, like the Eagles. Their practice facility is 20-plus years old, but they've definitely updated it and upgraded it, right? They've, they've put money into it, which, to me, is important. Okay, loving the content. Please allow me a little geographical bias with this one. But how about the Jets taking a low-risk flyer on Nathan Rourke? Yes, I'm being somewhat biased because he played in Vancouver. But the scout in you must have seen the work he did in the preseason with the Jacks. For what it would cost the Jets versus any other option they may have, this seems like the only, albeit remote, chance of catching lightning in a bottle. Come on, man. This is... I mean, they're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I'd be lying to you if I watched a lot of Jags preseason. I, I know I think you're speaking of, I know the one play that he made, which was pretty remarkable, but I, that's not to me in the cards. But I hear what you're saying, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's that's why we talk sports. We're allowed to have some outrageous takes. You think the Jets would be in the market to take a quarterback in next year's draft, even if Rodgers comes back? He'd probably only play another year or two if he had the ability to take a quarterback in the 10 to 20 range. Well, obviously, it's going to come down to Zach. I mean, they drafted him two overall. What does he look like? I, there's just a ton of pressure, and there's a ton of unknown. Like, guys improve. We, we talked about it earlier in the show. Second chance. What does he look like? He rattles off some wins. They win 10 games, and he's way different than last year, much improved. Then no. I mean, I, I think you'd write it out for a little bit. Hope you have a good day. I like this guy. This this Cameron. I'm a Steeler fan and have been wondering a lot about Pickett and the organization as a whole lately. The Steelers have been historically patient with every coach, player, and play caller. Do you think that the Steelers will be that way with Kenny during and after his rookie contract? Or will they move off quickly if he ends up being only average? Also, what do you think of the Steelers' future as a whole? Not many promising young players on offense, or especially defense. Love the podcast. I think there's tangible pressure this season on everyone involved. Like, I thought coming into the season, you guys, if you've listened to me, know where I stood. I thought they were going to be really good. Now, I'm not going to write them off because they played one of the better teams in the league who, I know this for a fact, I mean, Kyle said it, they have started very, very slow, the 49ers. So a point of emphasis this season was starting fast. I mean, they were coming out guns blazing. Kyle probably spent extra time this offseason just game planning for this game. It meant a lot to him. The road game against a you know a non-common opponent who should be pretty good, uh, a defensive organization. But I, I think sometimes we're all guilty of this, so you're not alone. 
why do we talk so much about like after his rookie contract? You draft a guy in the first round, you have him for five years if you so choose, right? You get the four year contract, and after year three, after year three, you can pick up the fifth year option. Just let it play out. He started how many games? I don't I don't know the exact number last year, 10, 8 to 12, somewhere in that range, because Trubisky started some. And then you have this year. Let's just let's just see year two play out. So I I, I think there is so much unknown. I think one big picture thing, if this Tomlin thing ever kind of doesn't work out these next couple years, like let's just say this year they won eight games. And then next year they didn't go above 500 again. You know, the Steelers, last time I checked, Tomlin, Cower, like maybe it'd be time to hire an offensive coach. That Again, we're a long way away from that. I mean, let's just see how they look Monday Night Football. From Kai, question for the bag. I'm a lifelong Seahawks fan, and I can't help but be frustrated with the defense's performance over the past few years. I know the line has been a nightmare, but we have above-average talent everywhere else. Do you think a better D coordinator would make the difference, i.e. Sala, if the Jets implode? Here's the thing. Your head coach is a defensive, I mean, guru strong, but like he's a defensive mind, mastermind, honestly. Like in his peak, like Pete Carroll's big time. So anytime that you work for Pete Carroll, it's like even when Andy has been through stretches in his career when he's not calling plays, you're working for a guy that knows the offense is ultimately the pseudo-offensive coordinator, right? So I think Pete's a lot like that. Now, having a better, having Dan Quinn or Robert Sala, sure, that that would help. But, you know, you guys have missed on some D linemen in the draft. Uh, I think another thing you did, let's face it, that had, I don't want to say dire consequences because the story's not completely over yet. And he, I, last I checked, he might play this week is Jamal Adams. He traded multiple ones for Jamal Adams, who's... If he doesn't play this in the next couple of weeks, like, is he any good? You drafted Witherspoon early. To me, he's kind of that hybrid playmaking role, too. Uh, in theory, he should be better than Jamal Adams because he's better at making plays on the ball. But, you know, in the same vein of physical tackler, hybrid guy, ideally a better cover guy than Jamal. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot. Of, you, you guys have had invested a lot of resources to that side of the ball. Right when you've invested resources to offense, it's like draft Kenneth Walker, baller. Draft DK Metcalf, stud. Draft those tackles, immediately pretty good. Right, but defense has kind of been hit or miss, which is weird because it's Pete's baby. Like that's what he knows better than everything. Right, is defense. He's been a defensive coach for how old is Pete? Seventy for forty plus years. Even though I think he was a college quarterback. Question for the bag: Have you ever considered doing a live stream of a game? Kind of like what the Manning's Manning Brothers show is. I think that would be interesting to hear some takes during the game. Well, a couple things. First and foremost, that's not easy to do, right? It, to me, the energy it takes, and I have a lot of respect for anyone that broadcasts a game, even if I don't think they're that good, I, I know how difficult it is. A couple times in college, I messed around with it at Cal Poly, and it was like, this is not for me. I'm an opinion guy, a reaction guy. Now, I understand that's what the Manning thing is. You got you to gotta approach it like you are calling the game. And obviously, you do it more podcast, enjoyable style. I, I just I just enjoy watching the game, right? Then sitting there, maybe I just tape myself as I watch the game. You know, time's money. You'd have to, we'd have to sell that bad boy, and I'd have to get a little piece of the action. But I hear what you're saying. It's just, I've seen other people try to do it. One, I couldn't just... I couldn't just riff for three and a half hours, right? Barstool goes live, for example, during some games. They have like 20 people there. 
You know, it's I think it's a lot more difficult than it looks. Peyton and Eli are, I don't know, two of the biggest stars. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a unique setup. I don't think many people can pull it off. And we've seen other sports try and it's terrible. Right. I saw McAfee's doing the sideline at games. That that's possible. But I I enjoy doing what I'm doing, having takes on all the action at the end of the day. Like that's that's my strength. Now I'm not opposed if the world changed that way, but I, I've tried to watch stuff like that. And it's not really for me. So I think a lot of times, and maybe I'm, I don't pretend to be all knowing, but if it doesn't really work for me as a consumer, then I don't really want to do it. I guess that's a long way of saying, but I I'd never say never. Who knows? World could change. Found you listening to Colin. Now I love the show. Anyway, I was listening to a recent episode. You were talking about placing a bet on the Patriots versus the Giants back in 08. It brought me back to my own memory of that Super Bowl. We were deployed in Iraq. I was a Navy SEAL at the time. We were planning on watching the game. Then we had to go hit a target instead. Jesus. That night, a bunch of my teammates were shot and a couple were killed. One of them was a huge Patriot fan. We didn't make it back to base on time to watch the game. Now, every time they sing the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl, I get a bit choked up. Nothing more American than our national anthem plus an American force flyover in our national game, NFL football. This probably isn't a message to share on your pod. You can if you want. Just felt compelled to DM you for some reason. Go Lions. Wow, that was powerful. Uh, thank you for your service, obviously. Uh, it's a powerful story. I don't even... It's hard for us, you know, normal citizens to even begin to relate to that. Someone, you know, my, my dad's brother was shot and killed while they were ambushed and he ended up dying, I think, of uh, smoke to the lungs hiding, but in Vietnam and I know the the toll that that has on people. Uh, yeah, man. Powerful. Hope you're doing well. Go Lions. I love the Lions this year. Okay, next question. Big fan. Seahawks fan, as you know, we lost our tackles in a brutal week one game against the Rams. The right tackle, Lucas, is on IR. So we signed a couple rookie undrafted free agents off the Bucks and Raiders practice squad. It's a, that's a go-to move for teams. I used to be a, a big evaluator of practice squads. So it's what they put, you know, the pro scouts, that's their job. Question is, we all know the potential of late round undrafted quarterbacks to develop because of intangible traits. But what about other positions? Is there any chance tackles can be competent starters? Or is that position too dependent on athleticism, strength, everything else we can measure? I think there are positions that you can find on the scrap heap easier than others, right? Running backs. I think you can find like serviceable DBs who can play special teams, guard centers for sure, you know, the occasional slot receiver or a backup tight end. For the most part, I think if we went around the league and looked at tackles, it's pretty difficult to find, right? I mean, look at most left tackles, typically highly drafted. I, I would say even Jordan Malata is an outlier. He had never played football, right? If Jordan Malata had grown up in America and had gone to Oklahoma or Georgia, I think it's fair to say Jordan Malata's a top 15 pick. So the, the Trent Williams, the crosses, the you just you just go around, right? Lane Johnson, Tyron Smith, just most tackles tend to be higher drafted picks because one it's like how many good centers have there been in NBA history? There just aren't that many human beings that are 6'4 to 6'5, have 34-inch arms, who are big, and not like 
fat big, but like 315 to 330 pounds, but can move closer to, let's say, a, a skill guy <laughs> because that's the type of guys you have to block every week. You got to block TJ Watt or JJ Watt or Miles Garrett or Bosa or the other Bosa. Those guys are all freaks. So it's that's pretty difficult. It's very, very rare to find that, I, I would say. You can find a guy who could start a game or two or become a backup, but to find a guy with the potential to be a full-time starter long-term, I would say that that is not possible. Not not possible, but very unlikely. It's probably a better way to put it. I know you probably won't read this or reply to me anymore because you've gone big time nowadays, but can you please go into some detailed explanation as to why the hell you're so high on the Steelers? Their offense is absolutely abysmal, and I'm sorry, Pickett is not my cup of tea in a quarterback, but I honestly think, at best, he is mid. I'm not even quite sure what mid means. I'm excited, you know, by the time I end up having children, I'll probably be like 40. So by the time they come into like cool lingo, I'll be in my early 50s, you know, in their teenage years. And I'll just be hip with the lingo because you realize when you're not around children and the internet is hard to follow everything, I don't know what all this stuff means. Like, I honestly don't really know what mid means. I mean, I kind of do, but I just, I need to get better, better updated on uh, what all the young, cool, hip kids are saying. It's the best part about working in football, right? It's why coaches can be like 65 years old, but so energetic. They're just around youth. Listen, I, I, I don't like him as much as I did a week ago, because I'm with you. If Kenny Pickett's going to look like that, now he was playing one of the best defenses in the league. He looked terrified, but you lose Hayward, you lose Dante Johnson, Let's face it, I like this guy in college, and maybe I'm a little biased because he grew up right down the street from where I used to live. Najee Harris looks like a guy, and that's not a great player. That's just a guy. <laughs> like He just looks like a, a run-of-the-mill running back. And when you draft a guy in the first round, he's not bringing much to the table, so you already lose a starter on defense. You lose a starter on offense. ton of pressure on your quarterback. I think a lot of Steeler fans are not super high on their offensive coordinator. Yeah, maybe they are mid, and maybe this mid – as in John Middlecoff needs to back up off him. Maybe I will. Kind of crazy when you think about it. If Bledsoe never got hurt, would we have seen Brady? Weird to think that it would have been how it would have gone if it never played out that way. My question for the mailbag is this. I, I think the problem with that is, with that specific example, they clearly liked Tom a lot, right? They kept him in 2000 as the fourth quarterback. And then in 01, they made him the backup. And Belichick in... In Cleveland, uh, not Vinny Testaverde, but whatever, uh, you know, Cleveland sports guy is going to be pissed at me. Whatever their quarterback was who had been there before he got there, he essentially benched, cut, whatever. So Belichick's pretty ruthless that I, I think he didn't have the juice because Kraft had just paid Bledsoe a bunch of money. But I think he would have gone out swinging if he would have thought he could upgrade at that position and Brady was the upgrade. Uh, the Patriots schedule coming up, they can easily go 0-4. You think it's out of reach for Kraft to let go Bill go midseason? Yeah, I do. Like, I, If Bill, Bill Belichick is eventually fired, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, there is zero chance on God's green earth. And he, this would be insane. He's earned it. Unless he did something you know, crazy off the field. You can never fire Bill Belichick midseason. Can't do it. He's unfireable midseason. Honestly, even after the season, like you basically pay him his contract and you just kind of pay him to go away, right? And, and honestly, you probably give him a bonus as a thank you. 
it's it's a unique situation. Even if this year they win six games and you're like, we just got to go in a different direction. Just We just need a fresh start. Uh, I, he's a made man that way. I actually think that you'll be a little more competitive in the next couple weeks than you think. You got the Jets in two weeks. We know how he plays Zach Wilson. Uh, clearly, we aren't a true playoff team. I, I still got to watch the Patriots. I, I wonder if they could just be like an ugly version of a team that just hangs around. I'm curious about how these coaches sign deals with school teams and then leave if a better opportunity comes along if their deals aren't up. Are there always buyout clauses in these deals? Who pays the buyout? The coach or the school, the team they're pl- leaving for? For example, Deion signs a five-year, $30 million contract with Colorado. If he wants to leave in a couple years, how does he get out of the remaining years? I You'd have to ask a specific agent how the wording is in terms of non-compete because I, clearly there's not. Like You can just go to another Power Five. There are buyouts in contracts. Like Jimbo Fisher has an enormous buyout. Right, like I, I would imagine Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, these guys have astronomical buyouts, but you're not bound. Like, that's a great question that I've always wondered. For example, I can't just hire, let's say Doug Peterson, you know, wins a Super Bowl with Jacksonville. And I'm like, uh, I'm just using this example. I'm like the Jets. It's like, I want to offer Doug Peterson $30 million to be my head coach. He, he can't leave like that. And that never happens. Right. The only time a coach, We've seen it with Sean Payton and John Gruden. You had to like trade for him. Yet in college, the only thing you have to pay is the buyout. Now the buyout is t- is always paid. I guess the coach technically could add to it, but it's usually paid by the boosters at the other school. So when I want coach whoever, I have to if his buyout's ten million dollars, I have to pay him whatever the number is, right? Fifty million, thirty million, a hundred million, like Lincoln Riley. And then I have to also cut. A, now you don't have to pay that all up front, but you know what I mean then you have to cut the check for whatever the buyout is to the school. Like I was reading about the Mel Tucker situation. You know who finances the Mel Tucker contract? It's the dude that owns the uh, Phoenix Suns, Matt Ishbia. He was the guy, because it's like, where does Michigan State get $100 million to pay a coach? Well, the booster. So when they hired Mel Tucker away from Colorado, I would imagine he had a little buyout. A guy like that cuts the check. And I'm not looking this up, so my number could be wrong. But let's just say he had an $8 million buyout in Colorado someone typically around the program cuts that money. Can you talk about Jake Rosenberg and your experience with him? He's Howie's number one guy when it comes to the cap. He just seems like a terrific asset. He doesn't get talked about enough. Also, Patriot fan, who wanted to jump ship? He's the biggest loser in all of humanity. He's literally the last person to even think about something so stupid. Uh, Jake was there. I think he, his first year was my last year there, him and Howie. I don't know if they grew up together, but they, they definitely knew each other outside of football. So they had a relationship. He was a lawyer and, you know, a decade later, he's still there. He, you know, how he is, how he's really smart and the people that they had when I was there, including Jake and they have Alec Hallaby, like they, they have highly, highly educated people there. And they do a great job of like blending the education, like in terms of really smart minds with the football people. And they're all kind of, you know, integrated all under one umbrella. And what makes Howie unique is like the dude loves football. I mean, he's, he's an addict. I often talk about these coaches, the, all the GMs, they're addicts. Like how he eats, breathes, sleeps football beside his family. So it, you know, I don't think he's a big hobby guy. Like it's just football and his family, football and his family. 
And he clearly, before I ever got there or met him, he had put in a lot of effort. You know, he, the guy knows the league like the back of his hand. And, you know, he came up negotiating the contracts. Obviously, he came up on the cap side. So he knows that as well as anyone as well. It's why they're so strong at being able to be fluid and negotiate these contracts. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I know everyone loves Jake that works there. Uh, I always had a good relationship with him in my short time. And yeah, there's just one thing the Eagles have is just kind of everyone's on the same page with kind of what they're doing financially, the type of players they're looking for, obviously Howie and Sirianni's relationship. I mean, I watched a decent amount of like their post, training camp down to the 53 man press conferences and draft press conferences. It's amazing how strong you are when you're on the same page with the main people in your front office, like the, the coach, the GM, the cap negotiator. I see it with the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, Parag, John Lynch. It's like, it's easy to get shit done. So I don't know if I really answered the question. Cause it's hard for me to really speak in detail. Uh, besides I always liked them. I wanted to hear your take on how the rise in fantasy football popularity in Madden video games has affected NFL fans. I've noticed that there are less diehard fans or fans of specific teams in my generation, Gen Z, younger millennials. I think Madden games, along with fantasy, have shifted the younger fan base to be fans of individual players more than fans of a specific team. This reminds me of the NBA as it is more player-centric. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I'd push back on the Madden thing. I grew up with Madden in when I was a kid in the early to mid nineties. So you, I, I think f- football and video games in general, and I would speak to this in baseball or basketball. Like I always had favorite players on other teams, right? Like when I was a kid, I loved Brett Favre. Uh, I love Charles Barkley. I love Shaquille O'Neal, right? I loved Mike Mussina. I love Cal Ripken, right? I love Juan Gonzalez. I think that's a natural reaction for younger fans to just, especially because that's usually the last time that you kind of play is in junior high, high school. Like you're playing these sports. So you, you know, maybe your team sucks and you just gravitate toward other people. Now I've attended a lot of NFL games over the last decade. It does feel like younger fans are wearing the home team's Jersey, at least in my experience. But I, I think fantasy football, I mean, fantasy football has been big now for a couple decades. So I don't know if it's quite, the NBA is different because only one or two player matter on every team. So it's just really easy. Like NBA Jam was a really big deal when I was young. And it's just like two best players on every team. But it's always kind of been a player league. This to me is still about the brand. It's always had stars, right? But some stars are just easy to root for, right? But I, I still think geographically where you grew up, who your parents root for has a huge impact. So I'm not saying you're wrong, uh, but but I still feel like we're, I don't know, pretty far away from it having some massive impact. I could be being naive, though. I'm, I'll be the first to admit. Brock Purdy is on a $3 million contract. If he has a good season and leads the Niners to the NFC Championship game, would he be in line for a contract extension? No. The first time a non-first rounder can extend his contract is after year three. So every guy in the second round to an undrafted free agent signs a four-year contract. So Brock Purdy's in year two. He would have to play this season out. And then next year, he would have to play that full season out. Now, one thing I would imagine the Niners are going to do is, I saw them do this with George Kittle. They will do this with him. They they will, and, and, and brands will want to be involved. The Silicon Valley brands, like they will get find a way to get him money. 
but that's part of drafting a guy at that spot. Like, you just don't make that much money. It's not anyone's fault. First play of the game, Staley is a joke. <laughs> I agree. Okay, last question. Do you get a feeling that if he's not careful, Josh Allen could follow Carson Wentz's career? I would say no, because Josh is just way better. I think Josh is a much more fluid athlete. Uh, he obviously hasn't been injured yet at the level in which Carson was. But yeah, I mean, you, you can never, and this is a quarterback isn't alone. You could say this for a podcaster. You could say this for a restaurant. Like you always got to be careful in a competitive industry to not be adapting, to not be improving. And if you're getting worse or just staying stagnant, you're going to get past and you're going to have issues, right? So I, I think they got to go to the drawing board and just figure out ways to get the train back on the tracks. Now, maybe that game was a one-off. But you have a couple more games like that. All of a sudden, we talk about, like, this guy's not a top-five quarterback right now. And then in a couple years, if it happens, like, back-to-back -back seasons, you're like, wait, we're paying $48 million for this? So sports changes on you quickly, right? Y y things come out of left field that you never would have imagined. A couple years ago, I was like, Kyler's awesome. Two years later, worst contract in sports, wouldn't want him within 50 feet of my franchise. Now, that's a bad example because no one ever acted like Kyler was as good as Josh or even like Wentz by year three. But I'm telling you, man, I, I think we're all just assume that once a player becomes good, he sustains being good slash great. That's just not the way it works, right? There are a lot of like two hit wonders, right? There are a lot of guys that had a couple good years in their career. Like not every band is Metallica or the Rolling Stones. Some put out three good songs total. Right, So Josh Allen's had some good years. He's got to maintain it. Now, I'm a believer in him. I root for the guy. But what we witnessed the other night, like that was alarming. That was really, really alarming. So I, I, I think he's one of the more fascinating guys to watch week two. Appreciate everyone hitting me up. I know I got a lot more people to hit. Uh, have a great weekend, and I will talk to everyone soon. Adios. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.